Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 132 of Radio 815, the podcast dedicated to examining the works of writer-director-producer J.J. Abrams and his extended Bad Robot universe. I'm Matt Crandall, here with Marcelo Inostroza. Today, we are taking a look at the final episode of Fringe, season five, episode 100 of Fringe, as we finish our rewatch of this classic sci-fi series, 10 years after the finale aired. We are now diving back in to see what J.H. Wyman, who wrote and directed this thing, cooked up for us. Marcelo, how are you feeling here at the end of all things? Um, You know what? I sat and I watched this episode, you know, in preparation for this conversation, obviously. And I'm like, there were some good things in here. There were some good emotional moments. But for some reason, as I was watching this episode, I was like, I should be feeling some more emotion, but I'm just not feeling that much emotion. But with that being said, there was some good stuff with um, Walter, Peter, Olivia, and Peter. But the 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 overall emotion that I was expecting to feel wasn't there. And and you know what? Midway through the episode, I figured out what it was. I think it was the plotting of the season and how and how disinterested I was with the story that they were telling. That this finale didn't hit that didn't hit harder because i didn't care for the most part about the stuff that came before it yeah i think that's definitely a valid analysis and as we kind of reflect on this whole fifth season there are some things that really work and some that don't and i think my main issue as this episode wraps is that there are a few great emotional moments in this and they are almost all walter and peter and a Walter and Astrid scene. But Olivia Dunham doesn't get those emotional moments for me. And the fact that even at the end, we're more focused on Peter than we are Peter and Olivia is kind of a problem for me because Fringe, while it always was a show about a son finding out that his father was Dr. Frankenstein, it was centered on Dunham and Dunham as part of this group. So the fact that In this final season, Olivia didn't have as much emotional stuff to work with because even the loss of their daughter was mostly centered on Peter's feelings about losing Etta, and we only got a little bit of that Olivia stuff. But even in this episode, Olivia doesn't get any of the tear-jerking moments. There isn't a big romantic them looking at each other knowing they have been through all of this and have been able to reset the timeline. Because when that happens, they don't remember part of the future and what has gone on. So I just found those choices by Joel Wyman to be a little bit puzzling to me because it really shifted to be a show that the emotional heart was this dynamic between a father and son, which has always been there, but was never the main central focus of the entire show. And to end it on that dynamic entirely... (laughs) And yes, by the end of this episode, Olivia gets supercharged and does a cool Cortexa fan thing, but she doesn't do anything emotional. All the emotion is Peter and Walter, and even they end the the entire series. The last scene is a father and son moment where Peter opens that letter that they only you know reminded us conveniently of a couple of episodes so that we wouldn't be confused as to what it was. And I... I just wonder, is this the best ending we could have had or did Dunham and deserve more? That's just what I kept thinking was 
man, they really diminished Olivia Dunham as being the core of this show in this season in a way that I just found kind of stupefying. And especially as fans of the show, the ship between Peter and Dunham has been a major thing. And yes, it was part of why they had to reset the timeline, but it it didn't feel as satisfying as I would have wanted. Yeah, um, you know, you know, you bring up a good point because there there were various times in the season when Olivia was doing her thing and Peter was over here doing his thing. They weren't really together. I mean, they were there, but they weren't really on the journey together for the most part. So strangely enough, they were they were sort of put on two episodes, two different sides of the season. And they kind of didn't they kind of really didn't have that interaction that they've had in past seasons and you also make a good point that this finale for the most part is about the connection between peter and walter and olivia doesn't get that many emotional moments like there's one good moment with with uh, peter and olivia in the car but that's it olivia gets to olivia gets to dispatch winmark in a really cool way that was sort of dissatisfying to me because i wanted that son of a bitch to suffer and just to have a car sort of pull him over is like that's not good enough that motherfucker killed your daughter and you're gonna just drop a car on his ass i want i want i want grapes of wrath here woman but 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 even that i'm like oh that's lame i wanted that son of a bitch to suffer now he just has a fucking car stuck up his ass like like i did like like i did not i i don't understand why olivia didn't have uh didn't have a bigger part to play in this finale she was there but it was almost like she wasn't. Yeah, and that that car scene is their key scene, but you know it's all before the big action thing. I think I just wanted a final note in the wrap up after they have had everything restored for them to really get like an emotional scene where somehow you know the memory of what they went through is lingering, even though time has been reset. But we don't get that, and this episode opens with last episode closed with. September Donald showing up at apartment 513 knocking on the door in December being there and him saying dude we got to talk. And in the opening of this we do find out more of the stuff that I kind of jumped to last week about how these original 12 observers coming and observing September says haven't you noticed that when we came and we were observing we started to change. And we actually started to grow attachments and feelings. It happened to August. It happened to me. It had to have happened to you. So you need to help me. And so, and December is like, no, it didn't happen to me. And I don't want to help. And September is Donald. It's like, but like, I know that we are not the same as those other observers because we, us, this special group, we were affected by humanity. We watched them. We studied them and their essence kind of became part of us. I thought that was actually really fascinating, their talk as they're doing this. And obviously, December had to be reluctant to help so that we can have more of this be the the tracking down of the MacGuffin for the big finale, which, you know, they're looking for this capacitor and they can't find it. And then they find the way that Michael can power this device. So I thought that was interesting because it gives us a nice reframing of the observers and does tell us that their plan and they explicitly finally say the year. So I I either just missed it or this was where we finally got it was 
Yeah. When they send Michael, it is further than the observers that have invaded. So it's like quite a bit further so that those people will realize how special Michael is and reset the clock so that the observers never came. Because I was like, well, Winmark has already studied this kid. What do they care? They don't care about this anomaly. But it's we're going to send him even further. And those observers will be smarter than these invading observers. And they'll be able to recognize that this is good. What are you thinking as September and December have their powwow? I really, I really love that conversation because September, September, since he was introduced, uh, was always a fascinating character to me because out of all the observers, he was the one that we focused on the most. And I really, really like it. I really like the fact that he was the one that we sort of, we sort of learned that, that observers could have emotion through him. And I, and I I really liked, I really liked the fact that eventually he became our ally because he, he, he was always an observer that was there to do a job, but he was always an observer that was willing to listen and willing to see the cap and willing to see the capability of humankind. Also, the other thing that I find that I found really striking in this conversation, when he mentioned the original, the original, uh, 12, he said, uh, when, when we came here to observe, we weren't really told what we were here for. So I'm like, wow, they, so, so, so they came here, they came to this, to, they came to this, they came to the, our, our original time period, not knowing what the, what the original plan was. So I really like that this other team of observers that eventually invaded, they wanted to, re, they wanted to take over humanity from the very beginning now. I'm now I'm not sure how that fits with the rest of the 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 fringe continuity because um fringe continuity has always been at least to me about a guy, about uh, a father who is who is incapable of accepting his son's death and that's the that's the that's the that's the cork that holds the whole universe together not this not not this observer bullshit that we've gotten but with that being said, that that is a nice line to say to the audience that the original twelve had no idea what they were really here for. So I'm so so I find I find just that line within itself fascinating. Yeah, I think that was really cool, and I especially liked after that we start to see that Winmark we know has basically realized that Broyles is not on their side. He figured out that last episode that when. Team Fringe discovered Michael's location. The only person who could have leaked it to them was Broyles. And so Broyles shows up and he takes a phone call in his car and then he leaves his car and the observers jump in and they actually bring back technology that we have seen before, which a few seasons ago, there was a time where uh, Peter needed to get an audio recording out of a window as if, you know, sound waves had been recorded like a vinyl record. And so they bring that back, which I thought was really cool to bring back something from a few seasons ago and have it used against us. And so the uh, the observers play back this recording and they figure out that Broyles is talking to Team Fringe and what's going on. And so I love that Broyles gets a few moments to shine because in that moment, we're like, oh, shit, they found him out. What's going to happen? They let him go, and then I'm worried that he's going to lead the observers right to our team, 
but they give him a great moment where he is smart enough to recognize that this is all going too smoothly. And he says, you know, I can't make the meeting They're They're on to me. And he gets captured again. But I thought that it was nice that we are finally giving Broyles more to do in this future timeline in the finale. And when Mark realizes that this guy is the dove, the, the mole that they have been looking for this whole time. And so we know, you know, Broyles has been instrumental in this battle. And I thought that was a, a nice moment, especially now with everything that has happened with Lance Reddick no longer with us. For him to get a few nice moments in this finale really felt satisfying. And I was happy to see him there. As that's going on, there is a moment where Peter has to go remove some stuff from the amber and he comes across a beta video cassette. This is the emotional peak of the episode for me. And I think that it is really good, but it comes so early that I'm really surprised we didn't save one of this like heavy hitting moments for later. But Walter lets him play the tape, which is kind of wild to me that Walter didn't stop him because he should say like, play this later. Like this is not for now. But so he watches it and on the tape, Walter says, look, we're going to send Michael to the future. But when he's in the future, someone has to bring him to the right person. So someone actually has to go with him to make sure he gets in the right hands. And we explain to those people why this kid is important. And I'm going to be that guy. Back in 2015, I gave myself an injection for an inoculation. And when I go through to the future, I cannot come back. Because we cannot create a paradox that will ruin everything. So, son, you have been my entire life. And getting you back after I thought I lost you has been so meaningful. The time we've spent together has been amazing. You are my favorite thing. And, you know, obviously watching the video, Peter is crying and Walter's crying. And then they have a a moment in the lab that is really touching and is the thing that I remember 10 years later from this finale that was the only moment i kind of remembered was peter and walter do have this real emotional heart to heart father and son moment but it's just wild that it comes in the first 15 minutes of the episode and then we don't get that gut punch but i i just i love that they had their moment in the now but part of me thinks if we didn't see that tape until the last four minutes of the episode we would be wrecked at the end. What do you what do you think? Was this the right spot to put it? And how did that tape make you feel? Uh I first of all, I hated the scene for two reasons, which I will explain right now. Number one, that was not the right place to put to to to, to put Peter playing the tape. That scene should have been second to last in the entire episode. So after everything that happens in this episode, Peter should have gone back to the lab. And somehow came across this tape and then played it. Because if Peter would have listened to this tape after everything that happened in the finale, like you just said, it would have hit a hundred times a hundred times harder than it did having it playing within the first 15 minutes of the episode. The other thing that really pissed me off is that, you know, Walter, Walter says that he has to go and he has to guide this kid so he gets into the hands of the right person. That's fine. That's no problem there. But the point where I go, bullshit, you guys have done this before. And the only reason that you're saying this right now is because you don't want to talk about what you did before. The part when Walter says, oh, I can't come back because that will create a, a, a paradox. 
I'm like, really, guys? Do you, do you really think the fringe universe can't handle a paradox? Like, do you guys not? Do you guys don't? Do you guys like? Do you guys have a memory lapse? You guys wrote Peter being erased from time, and then he came back into time, and then guess what? The universe was fucked up, but it still could handle it. So when you say when you give the reasoning for Walter not going back because you're worried about paradox, because you're worried about paradoxes. Bullshit. If you were really worried about paradoxes, you wouldn't have done with Peter what you did with him in season four. Because that whole thing, Peter coming back into the timeline, was a paradox within itself. And the universe didn't go kablooey. So the paradox explanation really pissed me off. And the fact that I, I felt that this, uh, that this whole scene was placed was put in the wrong place. Yeah, I just feel like if, if Peter found the tape and him and Walter had a moment, but he didn't watch the tape. And we pushed that off till later. It would have hit even harder. I do love that moment in the now, though, where they embrace. And and it is powerful, but it's just like my emotional height of this episode comes in the first act. And then by the time we get to the final act, I've, I don't feel as much. They also undercut this a bit by having September say, Walter, I have taken the inoculation, and I am going to go with Michael into the future. And I think to myself, okay, this obviously is not going to happen because we wouldn't have had that big emotional scene. Walter's going to have to be the one. So I really would have wished that, and if if it was going to work, then don't have September go out by just getting shot in the back like a bitch and not being able to take the kid. So... I I wish that we had either done away with that or had September Donald say like, I would take him, but I can't because I am an observer. And if I go into the future, then that will create some sort of paradox where we aren't able to undo everything. I wish they had just given us a better reason why September couldn't take the kid instead of this fake out where we think that he might take the kid instead of Walter and then just have him go out like a punk. but. I have, uh, we'll get more to the final sequence of events in that last action scene because I've got more than a few nitpicks about the way that all goes down. But we have Olivia and Astrid going to get the the reacting thing that will kick off the wormhole for them to take Michael to the future. And they go to December's location and he has been hanged. And the observers have taken the magic device that we need. So we have to further this treasure hunt because it is gone. But Astrid comes up with an idea that if they can use the shipping lanes that the observers bring stuff through that we have seen the device that does that, then maybe they can use that as the wormhole to the future, which is honestly what I thought five episodes ago Whenever we had that episode where Peter was doing terrorist shit and they were shutting down one of these wormholes to stop a shipment, I kept thinking if our whole plan is that we need to open a a portal to a future, why don't we just use this? Now, obviously, they want to send Michael further into the future, but I thought even if, if Team Fringe had taken Michael through one of those earlier wormholes and then when they were in 20 whatever found a way to get him further... That could have been cool, but it it raised more questions than it 
than it did anything. It just made the whole treasure hunt that we have been on this whole season for the rocks and everything even more frustrating in retrospect where we can't get all the pieces and we have to use an alternate method. But I did like that Astrid comes up with this way that we already know this technology. So it, it made it easier, an easier pill for us to swallow. You know, with that whole thing of the shipping lanes and Astrid coming up with, with, with the, with the whole plan that we could just use that to get Michael and to get Walter where he needs to go. I felt that that really undercutted the entire treasure hunt aspect of the entire season because like everything that we spent 13 episodes collecting to get this fucking thing to work just kind of just like oh shit all this crap that we made you sit through doesn't matter we're gonna throw this aside and we're gonna do this really come on the other the 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 other thing the, the other thing that i i really felt in this episode is that usually usually with finales like like your main cast, every like if it's written properly, with your main cast, everybody gets a moment, right? Everybody everybody gets a a moment to uh, to 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 do their bow, right? Or to or, or to take their final bow, then walk off the stage, and then they're done, right? That didn't happen at all in this episode. There were a lot of characters who I felt were there, but got shifted under, like got undercut. One guy who had a really good moment, who who really didn't get it. Well, well, you know what? He had his moment. I I I, I will say I, because I was going to say that Lance Reddick didn't get his moment, but he did. He did. He did. Uh, like Olivia got undercut, right? Astrid got undercut, and uh, Olivia got undercut. So that's like that's like half of the main cast who really got undercut. The the only serious meat that came out of this finale like 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 me and Matt have been saying here for the for for this episode is the relationship between Peter and Walter and I understand that the, I understand that the series was born out of that conundrum of that relationship but I'm like it's your final episode guys give your give your cast a curtain call and I didn't I didn't I didn't see that curtain call at all in this episode yeah it's a tough one I do think that they gave Walter most of the emotional moments because John Noble is so fucking good that he can just turn it on and you see his eyes watering and you immediately get a little bit teary. They do give Astrid her flowers, though. So there is a great scene before the action finale happens with Walter and Astrid together in the amber. And he's kind of tipping his hand that he's going to have to fuck off forever into the future. And he's like, you've been a great assistant. And I've appreciated this all. And Jessica Nicole gets to play it, you know, sweet. And they have this nice moment. And then as she's walking away, he says, you know, it's a beautiful name. And you're like, you fucking bastard. So, like, it's it's such a nice moment. The real world stuff clouds it now. So knowing that Jessica Nicole felt very very slighted and very taken advantage of. And the fact that it's a woman of color that Walter couldn't remember her name was a runner that when this moment happened back in 2013, I thought this was a really sweet moment for him to acknowledge that she has been important to acknowledge that she does have a name and agency and he needed to recognize all of that. It's great. And it's a good payoff to a running joke that's been happening for five seasons. But now when we watch it now, knowing that the actress herself felt very harmed and insulted by this running thing it 
colors it a bit, but I thought that their scene was great and Noble really brings it. And he that's a few minutes after him and Peter. And it's like, okay, is every great scene going to only happen in the lab and near the Amber? Aren't we going to have some other emotional weight later? And not really. We, we kind of aren't. Olivia is really preoccupied with this Michael. She's like, how can we do this? And he just puts his hand up and says, shh. And I'm like, okay, Michael, the kid who blank expression. Now he's silencing women. This guy's a bastard. And uh, I just, I thought, okay. And then she realizes that it's because he knew that she was going to have to, the reason he stepped off the train is that he was trying to conserve some of her cortexafan powers because she was going to need it to help juice the finale. And that's all well and good, but none of that stuff paid off in a way that I thought like, oh, they were laying the groundwork for all of this. They they really set everything up perfectly. And so our big action finale is, you know, we've rescued Broyles. We've got the device to open the shipping lane. We're going to use Cortexafan powers to save the day. And Michael is going to open the thing with his power. And Winmark shows up for like the big battle. And Peter tackles Winmark and they go flying and slam into a car. And then Peter gets his ass kicked. Winmark's beating him up and punches him and he goes flying across. There's about 45 seconds where Winmark is beating the shit out of Peter. And it is not fucking Joshua Jackson. It is a goddamn stunt double. We never see his face. All we see are these like close-ups and Winmark doing all this shit and just like some guy getting beaten and then he gets thrown and they only had one shot of Josh Jackson on the ground looking pained, but in like 45 seconds, all we want is a close-up of Peter's reaction or Peter getting a good hit in and we don't get it because fucking Josh Jackson didn't work that day. And it was like so obvious that I was like, is is he going to be in any of this action scene or is he just going to show up at the end? And they have one shot of him on the ground during this action scene, but then Olivia steps in and finishes it off. And then they got Josh Jackson back for the watching Walter step into the portal. And I was like, what the fuck? I know that we're shooting this quick and we're running out of budget, but to sideline our main dude and have him get thrown was just so weird. And it it really bugged the hell out of me. But I do like that Olivia steps up. But as you said earlier, the moment where she, kills Winmark with a car isn't that satisfying and it happens so quick that we don't see him in pain or like slowly dying it's just we see some blood spatter on the car and we're supposed to assume they they got him he's dead but we know that he teleports so quickly that i was starting to question like did they get him and and i felt like we really rushed for how much setup we had that final action sequence is so quick I was almost begging. Now, obviously, I don't want like a John Wick 25 minutes of the same thing over and over, but I wanted something more satisfying where it became clear what was happening and see Team Fringe really go through the ringer, but then step up and really trap Windmark in a way that he is caught and we know and see the look on his face when he knows he is going to die. That is what we have been building towards. We want to know that he can't just blink and teleport, rip the device out of the back of his head and be like, you got nowhere to go, fucker. And let us enjoy his death. 
you've built him up to be this horrible fascist leader that like we hate give me the satisfying moment not just he we see him in a little bit of blood spatter and then we're like okay gotta go what did what did you feel in that final action scene before walter and michael walk through the portal yeah i felt i felt the final action sequence of the entire series was very very underwhelming because as you said you know when mark was there trying to trying to get this kid who still doesn't speak for a second. And then Joshua Jackson was fighting with Mark. But like you said, during that fight, there are no close-ups of Joshua Jackson at all. So it's very, very apparent that Joshua Jackson wasn't there. And, you you know, like you said, you get that one quick shot of him on the floor in pain. And you get that, you get Joshua Jackson there for the reaction shot of, of Walter and the child going through the portal. But my biggest problem with this episode is a point that you brought up also. When Winmark gets smashed by the car, the second before he gets smashed by the car, you see a flash of light. So I was like, wait a minute, did he jump or did we actually get him? Because I, because to be honest, when I saw this scene today, I'm like, I don't know, did they get him or did he jump away? So I have, I have no idea if they killed him or not. So, so, th- so that is very, very wide open to me. Like for my money, for my money, this this scene should have been fucking epic. This scene should have been at Raiden Lake. Like, like move this whole fucking thing to Raiden Lake. Do something cool with the water. And here's another thing. Bring in the actual resistance. Bring in the resistance. Where the fuck is the resistance? We only see one or two guys from the fucking resistance. If 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 they were able to get a bunch of fucking guys from the resistance, move this thing to Raiden Lake. Find a cooler way to kill Winmark. You just said it. Rip the goddamn thing out of his head and then watch him die or whatever. There's a moment when Olivia is on the ground during this finale and she's looking at the bullet. She's looking at Ed's bullet. And I was like, wait a minute. What if she picks up that thing and she sends it right through Winmark's head? That would be fucking awesome. But again, he got crushed by... But again, instead of getting a bullet through the head or finding some or finding some other way to torment this ball... Bas- this this bald bastard he just gets crushed by a car he essentially gets a car up the ass and i'm like that's not good enough and another thing did you notice uh, look uh, you you probably noticed did you notice the only one that was crying when 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 uh <laughs> when walter and the kid went through the portal was astrid like like peter was welling up a little bit you know olivia was fine whatever but we didn't get we, we didn't get a close-up of broils or any of the recent or, or any of the resistance guys we just got like the like the main fringe crew right and then a second after that happened exactly what you did not want to happen started happening and i went oh oh here we go with this shit but well, seriously seriously but what did you think about the final moments of uh a fringe with, with, with the final two scenes here so I do like, I think that those final two scenes work, but they, I, like I said, I wish that we had something that hits harder. I just want to quickly circle back. I think you are right on that. Olivia should have used that necklace to somehow kill Winmark, pull it through the head style, see her put it through like right at the base of his skull. So it takes out his device so that then we know like he is in trouble and have her then squish him with the car. But man, when you say Raiden Lake, I think this finale could have been so fucking good where they get this whole thing is happening at Raiden Lake. Now, obviously, 
were shooting this in Vancouver and we probably didn't have snow at the time, so they couldn't do all this stuff. But we get to Raiden Lake. We end up getting Windmark in some sort of fringe device and are able to remove the device and have him have Olivia dead to rights. And he's walking across, you know, about to take Olivia out, falls through the ice. And as he is trapped under the ice, the same spot that, you know, Peter was meant to die, he can't get out. And dude drowns, but we see him, the panic on his face, trying to break through, trying to get out. And it's not possible as Olivia watches and does nothing. Like, I would have loved something like that and have it come slightly full circle. And speaking of full circle, I didn't mention it, but there is a moment where we do use a lot of the old fringe tricks. So we use the the weird monsters that come out of your stomach and that weird gas that seals your orifices and stuff. We use that again. So I love that when we have a big moment where they are assaulting this place and rescuing broils, we do get uh, a lot of callbacks to earlier fringe events. So I thought that was great. But then fucking September is out here catching strays literally. And that's the worst. I really wish if September had to die, don't have him just get shot by a random bullet out of nowhere. Have him sacrifice himself to, to do something bigger in those final moments so that then Walter realizes the fate that he thought was inevitable, but he had false hope wasn't going to have to go through with it. Have that pay off bigger. And I do think that, yes, as he's walking through, we see Peter, Olivia and Astrid. Astrid is emotional. Olivia is just kind of probably too juiced on adrenaline and cortexafan to really react. And Peter mouths, I love you, dad. And Walter says, like, I love you, son. And it's a sweet moment, but we already had that moment. We already had that moment 20 minutes earlier that we didn't need them to mouth the thing that we already know. They could have said that with literally just a look. And so when they both mouth this, I'm like, we're not fucking stupid. We know what they're saying to each other. We don't need them to literally say it to each other again. He walks through and we are back in the park. So Walter is gone. We're back on that day where the observers initially came. And Peter and Olivia are there, but this is mostly like Peter's POV of watching Etta play and he grabs her and gives her a hug and Olivia is just kind of chilling out. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, they have a, a very small family moment. But as I said earlier, I wish we could have a moment where Peter and Olivia embrace Etta and, you know, she starts to be like, you're hugging me too tight. Like, why are you guys doing this? And we can see on their face that in this moment, instantly, they still have some sort of, even though it's illogical, I want it for the emotional reason. I want them to still have some sort of remnants of everything they have been through. And it can fade away in that scene, but have them looking at their daughter and each other, knowing like we lost her, but now we're back. All of the shit we have been through in these 13 episodes has finally paid off and We've been through this traumatic event, but now we're together and nothing will split us apart because as we know on that day in the park is where the whole thing fell apart because Olivia turned into a catatonic emotionless person after their daughter disappeared and didn't band together with her husband to make this thing work. So I still think like, is this a perfectly happy ending? Because even though this family is together, if something else happens are Peter and Olivia just going to split again? So I wanted some sort of acknowledgement 
where they say like, you know, we can see on their face that they remember. And while that memory is still there and it's fleeting, like this time is different. No matter what happens, this family unit (laughs) to quote Avatar, this family is our fortress and they are going to stay together no matter what happens. And I wanted that moment. Then we cut to just a any random fucking day and Peter opens the mail and it's the white tulip from Walter that we knew was coming. But Peter gets this weird look on his face because now he's going to have to find out that his dad is gone because when they reset the timeline, he doesn't know that Walter is vanished. So we know that there's going to be that pain. How did you feel about those final two scenes when we're back in 2015? I did not. I did not like them at all. Because it felt to me that they were reusing the same opening that we got in episode one of the season. Because if you can notice, Anator is in the back, right? And like you just said, the scene focuses primarily on Peter and Peter's willingness to get his daughter to come to it, which is really it's a, it's a really dumb shot. I would have I, I would have done it a different way. <laughs> it's, it's so dumb because it's like Peter going like just shoot it a different way. That's dumb. Um, the, but to, to, to address your point, like it would have been really great to see Edda, you know, come to Peter and then to see Peter and Olivia along with Edda have a moment. It would be, it would, it would have been really cool if when they started to realize that they have gone through some stuff, if the French writers would have like inserted like, like, like quick, like white flashes that, that would happen to Olivia and Peter while they were having that moment. So that could be a signal to the audience that they are remembering everything. And after that moment, just give them one moment where what you said, they hug at a tight and then it goes, mom, dad, why are you squeezing me to death? And they, and they go, Oh, we'll tell you later. That would have been great. That would have been great. And then cut to instead of, instead of, uh, instead of Peter getting the, 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 the mail at the house, cut to Peter going to the lab for some reason, then finding the tape, then playing the tape, and end the show right after the tape ends. And then Walter saying that, you know, Peter, you were my favorite thing. Cut to cut to Joshua Jackson's face, a tear. That's it. End of show right there. Finished. Done. That would work so much better, especially because even on the tape and in these final Walter scenes, he's saying the reason it has to be him who takes Michael to the future is because everything that has gone on since the beginning of this show has all been the ripple effect consequences of Walter's actions when it came to Peter and the other universe and everything. And so to end it with that tape where he says, I had to go because I needed the forgiveness and I needed to set everything right, even though we're only going back to a problem that only started at the start of this season, that Walter explanation brings it back to the entire series. And the fact that we played that tape so early in the episode means that when we're in the park and then Peter opening the envelope, it's barely a memory by that point. And I really wish that we had seen that moment where if they don't remember, and that's the choice you want to make, where he does find the tape and Walter is gone. And as you say, he watches it. We are crying. He's crying. End of series with the thing being, you know, this is the consequences of my own action. I'm doing this for absolution, but I also wouldn't change a thing because you were my favorite thing and the stolen time was worth it. Then it would be like, fuck, they did it. They nailed it. 
And it's like, those elements are here. You just put them together wrong. So I get frustrated. And I mentioned when we covered Lost that like one of my least favorite things is where the emotional payoff or the action payoff of a finale, especially a series finale, it's fine if it's a season finale, but a series finale where it only mostly ties back to the season premiere or a problem that only started, you know, in that specific season and doesn't tie into the entire series as a whole, that tape scene does tie into the series as a whole. But if they had saved it for the end, then it would feel so much more satisfying and it wouldn't feel like, okay, we really did something different with this season. And I just don't know if it was the right choice. Even now, 10 years later, I'm not sure it was. I'm not sure that this was the best final season we could have had a fringe. I know we didn't want to just do team fringe investigating mysteries of the week for a final 13. We wanted to make it a bit more epic, but in doing so we, we lost the plot a little bit. And so watching this final season now, I enjoyed it, but I had so many issues with it, but that emotional moment that comes 10 minutes into this episode does work and if they had saved it for the end fuck perfect ending chef's kiss we're all crying let's rewatch the whole damn thing right now yeah look 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 like like matt just said there 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 are good ingredients here within this final episode but they were all they, they were all cooked wrong it was like it was like jage wyman had the perfect recipe but he didn't know how to cook it right in reference to the entire season being a being a, a misfire because because you're because you just said even now even 10 years later you're 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 still kind of on the fence whether it was the right decision to do what they did or not i will solve it for you at least i'll give you my take on it i don't think i don't think that this story was the right choice for was the right road for them to go down at all i said very early on uh, in our discussions about this final season it should have been like like Towards towards the tail end of season four, introduce a big bad threat, and then have our fringe team have to team up with the with the original twelve to deal with this big bad original threat in season five. And if you wanted to do some Tommy Wami bullshit with Etta, good, do that. But have her stick around for most of the final season. But kill her the second to last episode of the show. And if you do that. Going into the finale, not only are you going to have the, 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 the threat of this big bad, but you're going to have the problem that this big bad killed Etta just an episode ago. So you have all this emotional bullshit going into the final episode of the series. How awesome would that have been? And I'm like, I'm like, God damn it, I'm pretty good. I mean, I'm not great, but I'm pretty good. Yeah, and I think that's dead on because as I said earlier in this season when we were talking about the other episodes, if we had spent more time with Edda, it would have so much more weight. But she died in episode four, and I'm like, we still got nine episodes to go? I don't care. And it it just should have hit harder. And I know that we had to do some sort of time jump some way, because with the season four finale with Olivia saying I'm pregnant, we don't want to have a whole season where Dunham is pregnant and running around. And we also don't want to have a whole season where we keep having to wonder where the kid is who's watching the kid so i know why they wanted to age her up but i just feel like man they could have 
especially as as you said, and we said it at the premiere episode, having a different threat and having Team Fringe have to work with the observers would have been so much better. And it would have given us all the opportunities to revisit all these fringe events in the same way. We still could have brought Michael back and had him be instrumental, but to team up with the observers and have the people who didn't want to get involved have to get involved would have just been so much better than having the rogue faction that we team up with while the rest of the observers are so evil. And I just think, you know, with the budget, I know that they couldn't do everything they wanted to do and they they kind of settled. And I just felt like if they kept digging and did less MacGuffins and more emotion, it just could have hit harder. But looking back at the series as a whole and rewatching it now, 10 years after its finale, when I hadn't revisited any of Fringe until this podcast, there the positives outweigh the negatives for sure. And I think the majority of the great moments on Fringe come from the emotion and heart brought by the core main cast because when you're assembling a cast like this you are not going to do better than john noble joshua jackson anna torv lance reddick jessica nicole as the core group throwing in a bonus seth gable you know we've got these people who just brought it they made these characters their own they made them memorable so that even years later we're still thinking about these characters Every time any of these actors pop up on any other show, I get a smile on my face. I just love this cast and think that the brilliance of this show, and with most bad robot shows in general, the casting is so on point, and the actors they get give it their all. There's never a scene where you're like, this guy didn't show up, (laughs) except on literal days where the people didn't show up and they had to use body doubles. But other than that, I think that's one of the great legacies of Fringe is just the emotion and the character quirks that resonate on and some of these sci-fi tropes that they reincorporated in a fresh new way that now in this Netflix binge model landscape, so many shows wish they could tap into this stuff and try, but don't quite get to the heights that even though we had peaks and valleys, the heights, the high highs of Fringe are still an all-timer um as we as we close out here i just want to just ask you real quick now this was off the cuff i did not i did not prep you for this so if you can't come up with anything you know my fault because i didn't prep you i should have prepped you but um off the top of your head like 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 what are some of your favorite moments or episodes of of the entire series if you can think of any uh, off the top of your head a lot of them are you know i i love when we go full tilt into the other universe moments where we where we cross over and we see Walter being desperate i think the first flashback episode where we go to the 80s was an incredible highlight the episodes where peter and olivia finally decide we can do this let's go and they have their big romantic moment only to then be taken away from us but the things i remember the most are those satisfying emotional moments like olivia and peter getting together peter and walter's touching relationships and also some of the incredible moments where like out of nowhere, Leonard Nimoy will show up and you're like, oh man. And I love the idea of massive dynamic and the alternate universes and the two timelines, all that stuff, I think was so much more fascinating than the observers themselves 
becoming such a, a prominent thing. I think it was fun in the age of message boards and internet to have observers pop up in every episode where if you wanted to dive into fringe stuff, just like Lost, there were lots of mystery box elements and Reddit theory things that you could go on. So I think those are the things that really carry over. I can't name specific episodes because there are great episodes. There is no through the looking glass episode of Fringe. There's not like one episode where you're just like, motherfucker, this is the best hour of television I've ever seen. There are great ones, but <laughs> not not to the level of Lost where like there are episodes of Lost. I will go to sleep and dream the entire episode because it is so buried into my subconscious. How about you, Marcella? What are your key moments of Fringe? Um, I, I, I really, really love Fringe. Uh, uh. Uh, possibly more than you. Um, I have some great. I have some. I have some great episodes I want to shout out here. Now, I really love the episode. Um, the episode in season two. Uh, the, the the season two opener when Olivia, Peter, and Walter they go to that. They go to that farm, and they investigate the 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 the, the, the demon boy that's that, that 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 that's eating all the locals. I think that's a really really cool. Sort of, sort of X Files, X Files Z kind of episode. I, I like that one quite a bit. Also, I like the episode when they investigate, uh, when they investigate the the guy that has the shadow in his body, and 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 and, and the shadow is killing, uh, is 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 killing individuals because he needs radiation. Also, I love the episode uh, 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 Minuet, where uh, where that doctor kidnapped. Uh, kills all those people to get parched together to, to try and resurrect, uh, the girlfriend, the, 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 um, the ballet dancer. That's that, that is still my favorite episode of the entire series. I really, really love that episode. Also, you're probably going to shoot me because you don't like this episode at all. I love, uh, the, the episode Brown Betty, the, the, the 1950s episode where, where Walter is telling, uh, Olivia's uh, little little nephew or something a story and 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 then and then um, the story that he's telling is being played out in, like in 1950s fringe style um, and lastly I love all the John Scott stuff all, all the all the early John Scott stuff and and that mystery and where that leads to um, one more episode I want to highlight I love the bottle episode when Peter and Peter and when the fringe team get called to investigate this, uh, this contagion in the office building, uh, and, and everything that, ha- and everything that happens with that. Oh, I have one more. Sorry guys. I'm, I'm almost done the episode. Sorry. I swear. I'm almost done the episode where, <clears throat> uh, the, the, the evil German scientist makes up this concoction of how to target people based on their, anatomy and everything that walter has to go through to figure out who this fucking guy is and and the and the big twist at the end is this guy was around you know in the 40s and he still looks the same the, you know you know those are those are some of my top fringe episodes of all time but look um like matt just said the final season of fringe and some of the some of the decisions that they made from a writing aspect as far as akiba goldsman goes uh, Jeff Pinkner and and Jay Twyman. Look, they they did the best that they could, but they could have done better in this final season. But that 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 aside, I still have love for Fringe, and I still enjoy Fringe every time I watch it. 
now that we are here at the end of Fringe, we need a little bit of a cooling off period because we have just completed Felicity, Alias, Lost, and Fringe all in a row. And as much as I love all of those shows, I think we just need a, a little bit of time off. So we're going to take a couple weeks to recalibrate, get get a little bit of rest and relaxation in before we dive into more bad robot goodness going forward. And shortly we will announce the next series we are going to tackle. We're going to take a look maybe at a few J.J. Abrams films as well. So a lot more good stuff coming up very shortly, but just taking a little bit of time to reflect on the great shows that we have just watched for two and a half years without a, without stopping. So hopefully you guys will stick around and check out whatever we're talking about next in the future. If you like the show, we appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening. Please like, follow, subscribe, tell a friend. We are on any of the podcast platforms, Radio 815. We are also on YouTube at Radio 815. If you want to get in touch with us and tell us what you think we should cover that we haven't covered yet, by all means, let us know. You can tweet at JJUniverse815 or using the hashtag Radio 815, and we will get those messages. If you want to get in touch with me, Twitter is in mid-collapse at the moment. I maybe will be on there at Matt Crandall. I am always logging movies on Letterboxd at MDC3000. Marcelo, how can the people get in touch with you? If you want to get in touch with me and talk to me about anything, whether it's a suggestion that you have for the next Bat Robot show we can uh, talk about or whatever, I will be at uh, I will be on Twitter at CreekFanatic88. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, Radio 815, over and out. Radio 815 is a Balloonhead Productions presentation in association with Killer Newt Productions.